Hello everyone, uh, Luke here again, introducing the second of my Beervana jaunt, that's another word for jaunt, dalliance, is that the right word? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, second part of, of the Beervana series, this is a chat that I had with Joss of The Garage Project. Um, I was, was admittedly pretty excited to chat with Joss. Uh, listeners of this show probably know that, that Dave and I are massive fans of the Garage Project and I really like the the things that they do, not only the beers they do because they do some, some pretty spectacular beers, but also the things they do around beer, the, the branding um, especially, and just kind of the things they do along with it. So it was really exciting to sit down with Joss uh, upstairs at the, the brewery there. During Beervana they had a bit of a pop-up going on downstairs and Look, it was at the end of Beervana on the Sunday, and um, I think we're all a little bit worse for wear. Joss especially, his voice was pretty much shot. Um, I, I had a bit of a sore throat by then, and I don't think that the show suffered for that, but uh, apologies for any, any croaky voices. Uh, I should also mention the evening before Beervana started, there was the New, New Zealand Brewers Guild Awards. Two um, results that I was really happy with were Dave Kurth of Hot Water Brewing, his barley wine um, got a gold medal. That's a, a barley wine in a can. Uh, so it's, it's conditioned, so can conditioned. You don't see, I can't think of any Australian, New Zealand barley wines in cans. Um, he had brewed a barley wine when he was in New Zealand, and sorry, on the west coast of New Zealand at um, West Coast Brewery. He's since moved to Hot Water Brewery and it's an all-can operation. The barley wine from West Coast Brewing... Um, Never ended up on sale. I managed to get a few bottles, and it was it was just exactly what you want a barley wine to be. Um, rumor has it there's still the bottles are still at the brewery, so uh, I'm going to be actually in Westport over Christmas, so I might see if I can sneak a few out, uh, watch the space. I guess not sneak a few out. I'm not going to like rob the brewery, but I'll go in and ask politely. I'm a very polite person. Um, the second thing, um, so congrats to Dave for a start. Um, nice work. Uh, the second thing, or the second award uh, winner was Townsend's Brewery. Top end of uh, New Zealand, of the South Island, Nelson. I can't remember the town. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, anyway, we we really love his beers. They're, everything he does is, is really just delicate. A lot of you know English styles, just really well-made beers. Um, if you ever get a chance to drink one on the cask, you see them in a lot of, a lot of the good... Bars in New Zealand that have hand pumps, they're exactly what a, that kind of beer should be and they're just so drinkable, they're perfection. His English Pale Ale, uh, I was drinking it when I was in New Zealand and yeah, it's just the kind of beer that, that you can just drink all day and it's just it's still tasty but um, it's hard to describe. Just if you see one around, yeah, go get one and, and congrats to to Martin from Townsend's, um, nice work and, and hopefully we see more of his beers over over the side of the country. Uh, I'm not going to do an outro again like last week, or last episode, it wasn't last week, but you know, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash out of a time. Please subscribe in iTunes and rate us in iTunes. We'd really like it if you did. Find me on Twitter at out of a time. Dave on Twitter is at Dave. Any feedback, email us, luke at com or dave at Um Yeah, get in touch. We, we'd really like to hear what, what you guys think. You know, rate us, review us, all that shit. Upcoming episodes, uh, some as I mentioned last time, um, Dave has been at the Homebrew Conference dinner. Tune in for that. 
yeah, anyway, enjoy this episode with The Garage Project. The end of Beavana. Uh, yeah. I'm sitting here with Joss from Garage Project. Hey, Joss, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. You sound like you're less healthy than me. Um, I woke up with a really sore throat, yeah. but you sound pretty croaky right now. It, it's been a long week, so apologies in advance for my my hoarse voice. <laughs> um, so, how's the week gone for you? How's the, how's it all? Yeah, it's down? been it's been brilliant. I mean, it's each year it seems that it just gets bigger and bigger. Um, I think this is the first year we had the big road to Biavana. Mm. Um, so not just the the two days down at the stadium, but also a series of events leading into it. And that's that's really cool that we're actually, I think, seeing the emergence of a uh, good beer week equivalent mm. in Wellington. It's very exciting. I was chatting to James um, Smith from the director of, of Good Beer Week, um, and he said it reminded him a lot of the first Good Beer Week. Now there's kind of a... Yeah. You know the Gabs equivalent being Bevana and, and all the events popping up and yeah. kind of rushed together, um, and it's, it's it worked out really well. Yeah, I mean it's I think it's come together quite organically as well, which is nice. Um, you know, I think it'll just be a really good base for next year. We'll just build on that. You guys had also at Bevana Festival. Your stand was, um, I guess, typically uh, garage projecty in terms of it was it was big and there was a lot of stuff going on. What was yeah. the um, what was the idea behind that this year? Uh, I think the way we approach festivals. In general, is that um, you know, whenever someone's paying money to buy a ticket, uh, we have to put on a show, and that's that's the the starting point. And festivals, I think, are an awesome opportunity to uh, to do something different, to do something unique, uh, give people a different experience, the way that they have the beers and taste the beers, uh, and that's always what we're trying to do when we're thinking about festival, um, how we approach it. Uh, I mean, a festival should be exciting, you know. You don't want to be spending <clears throat> money to, to get in and then have all the same beers that you can get down at the shops, mm. uh, but, you know, at ridiculously inflated prices. So I think if it's if it's going to work for us, if we're going to feel good about it, we need to know that we're turning up with uh, brand new beers, different beers, and ideally beers in a way that we wouldn't a- be able to serve uh, in an environment other than in that, that special festival bar. Mm. Um, it's something that we've talked about on the podcast before is that trestle tables and pale ales where you go and you just get the yeah. same beers. Um, and the two that, that you guys had going that were, I guess, the most exciting were the um, was it the two-pot two pot flat white yeah. and the hash IPA. Yeah. Can yeah. you uh, tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so um, two-pot was an idea we, we had um, – you know, we, we had this base idea of, of doing a, a flat white beer. We, we've brewed with coffee and we've had some great collaborations with um, coffee roasteries like People's Coffee in, um, in Wellington. And uh, we, we started thinking about how we would uh, would achieve a, a flat white beer and how it would be um, be interesting. And uh, it, it was came pretty obvious to us early on that we wouldn't get the – the quality of a flat white into a beer unless we did something quite different with it. Uh, and the way we achieved it is actually 
coming to the realization we needed it to mimic the art of making a flat white and or a milk-based coffee and and to do that we brewed two separate beers uh, which were designed from the outset to be blended together. Uh, so the base beer was a Russian Imperial Coffee Stout, so like a really, really in, rich, intense, um, strong stout that could go in as the shot. Uh, and then we had a, a nitrogenated lactose cream ale on the top. So we played around with a few different uh, ideas for the, the, I guess, the cream, the milk. Um, played around with the wit, uh, but we came back to uh, the cream ale. It's not really a, a style that you, you see very often down in New Zealand or Australia, but it's, it's still very popular in America. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of craft breweries up there doing it, um, but doing it as a, as a lactose, as a, as a sweet cream ale, and then serving it on nitro so it would be really thick, uh, give you that sort of velvety milk-like feel, and um, then a little shot of the coffee in the glass, and then um, we'd put the nitro milk on top, and it, it Worked really well. Mm. <laughs> um, I was fortunate enough to, to try some at the end of the session and it was, um, yeah, it was delicious. Exactly what you, you I guess, set out for it to be. Yeah. Uh, the other one, the, there's the video going around and I'll put a link to it in the show notes yeah. about the um, hash IPA. And am I correct in thinking you guys made hash from hops? Yeah. Um, tell us, like, how did that come about? Um, it's an idea we've actually had for a couple of years. Um, <clears throat> we, we actually imported some some nylon mesh from the States two years ago. Um, and we've just never had time to actually make it happen. Basically, the concept was what what would it be like if we brewed a beer using pure lupulin? So um, the the actual lupulin glands from inside a whole cone hop um, and, and going under a way of extracting those. Um, doing the research, we, we came across basically the method of which hop scientists, hop chemists, isolate lupulin to study it and they agitate it in a very cold solution and run it through ever increasingly fine filters which is basically a hot uh, a hash making process mm. um, we decided that we wanted to do it with liquid nitrogen so we would break up and um, boil the plant matter without actually heating it so the the volatiles and the aroma oils would be intact um, and then it's basically smashed through a series of filters and drops down so we collect the pure uh, lupulin, and then we, we were constantly making the hash throughout the boil, constantly adding it through, and then even dry hash in the, in the back of the conditioning as well. Yeah. Um, I actually just saw, uh, I haven't had a chance to read the article, um, a brewery in the States is doing a, a really similar thing. Um, they've just announced they're going to do this hash IPA, and I'm like, that's interesting. I don't know if they, they heard about yours or they um, come up with it separately. Um, and that was served with... Uh, your one that was served with the ice cream on top? Yeah, so um, again, just wanting to, to give people a different experience and play around at, at the festival. Um, you know, we, we brewed the beer, or we, I guess we extracted one of the main ingredients of the beer with liquid nitrogen, uh, which is really fun to play with. <laughs> so we thought <laughs> having some down at the stand would be really cool. Uh, so we're basically throughout throughout the, the two days, Pete was making up um, hash sorbets essentially and doing beer floats, um, dropping uh, dropping some of the beer with the liquid nitrogen, whisking it up, making this really, really soft, almost like a sorbet, and spooning that into the beer um, and, and just something fun, something mm -hmm. different. Yeah, It definitely had people queuing up uh, at your stand, like, like straight away, yeah. even before I think people had money from Beervana, they were queuing up to get your beers. Yeah. Um, 
the other thing that, that you guys do, uh, which in, is a, in addition to doing festivals really well, was the um, sort of collaborations with um, you know the ballet, so the New Zealand ballet, mm-hmm. yep, um, and uh, involvement with Wedding. I think you brewed a beer for their um, Christmas party one year, yeah. Um, yeah. and you kind of have a reciprocal relationship with them, um, yeah. or you know, in the ballet, and that mm-hmm. and that kind of it seems like it's paying off for you guys. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> our approach. We're always excited by opportunities to um, play around and, and, and do new beers with with groups who, who might not normally be associated with beer. Uh, and it just lets us – I mean, we always learn something working with those people, but at the same time, um, we kind of think of it as expanding our universe, and it's not just us, the brewery, but it's, I think it's beer in general. Um, it's, it's exciting when you can – work with people who might not normally be into beer, might not think of themselves as beer drinkers, uh, and at the end of it, put out something that will actually uh, hopefully change people's perceptions, maybe have another thought about beer, maybe come back to the idea that, you know, I don't like beer, but maybe that's beer 10 years ago or five years ago, and I haven't really gone back to try beer mm. again. And it's, you know, as we all know, it's changed radically in the last five years mm. and it continues to so doing beers with Rawlings and Ballet Company uh, the Fringe Festival we did a, a really cool beer called Beyond the Pale the The Fringe theme this year was the, the pink fringe and they had these um, pink wigs and everyone was running around town with the, the pink wigs as the um, the theme and so we did a, a beer with um, it was a very wheat heavy pilsner with sumac hibiscus and lemon so it was shockingly pink in the glass very tart, very floral, something that people would drink if they weren't a beer drinker and be like, hang on a minute, there's something going on here. And at the same time, it's a very technically challenging beer to do as well, mm. so we're not pandering, we're not doing something uh, watered down. And I think the more opportunities we have to, to do um, those type of beers, the more we can start to see beer expand out beyond um, you know, just, just the core, core um Drinkers, and I think that's important. You know, it's it's really fun working with other breweries and doing collaborations. We love doing those, but you know, I think it's it's a good thing if breweries are also looking to do things with other groups and you know, musicians or filmmakers or cooks or um, groups. I mean, we've got a new beer that we'll be brewing um, in the coming weeks, which is going to be a zoo brew. So we're going down to Wellington Zoo and we're actually nice. brewing the zoo. And, um, Which is a great yeah. rhyme for a start. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, uh, and it's actually um, increasingly looking like it's going to be an Australian-themed oh, nice. uh, animal that we're uh, working with on the beer. So You're working with the animal itself? Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into the enclosure. And <laughs> I do want us to have the, um, the little um, tag, so, you know, they're going along and uh, this is the Red Panda enclosure and this is the, the Garage Project Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> Brewers, <laughs> yeah. um, that sounds that sounds really interesting. I think we'll um, keep an eye out for that. I think I'm drinking one that is a similar beer. I'm not actually sure. It's a, the Shakespeare, the Burning Glow. Yeah, um, yeah, it's delicious. By the way, it's that kind of beer that I like to drink. Yeah. Um, what's what am I drinking? It's um, it's an English ale brewed with um, some smoked malts. The concept for this beer um, is entirely Pete's daughter Maddie. So. Pete's ten-year-old uh, daughter is an avid Shakespeare reader. At ten years old, yeah, damn. And <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
it's um, and I'm going to get my dates horribly wrong wrong now. But, um, last year was the 400th anniversary, the 200th anniversary, or the 400th anniversary of the Globe Theatre burning down. Yeah. Um, and this year was either the 200th or 400th of William Shakespeare's death. Um, but um, she she had an idea that um, uh, reportedly when the when the Globe burnt down. Nobody was injured, but someone's pants caught fire, and they were they were quickly put out by a tankard of beer that was at hand. Um, so she she thought it would be great if we brewed a beer to commemorate the Globe Theatre burning down. It could be an English ale, and it could be brewed with some smoky smoky malts. Mm. Um, and I think Pete, when she said, "You know, Dad, I've got an idea for a beer," he was probably like, "Okay," but <laughs> um, it was an awesome idea. <laughs> so. You know, the, the future is bright at Garrett Project. It's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, yeah, the, the collaboration with the brewer's yeah. daughter yeah. about an English beer. Yeah, so um, they, they actually um, they brewed the beer together on the pilot kit. We um, we launched it at the, the Southern Cross in the Garden Bar, um, and we we imported in from Germany last year for Beervana these beautiful German pitch-line oak traditional beer barrels that we serve beer from, and you, you drive a brass tap into them, oh, and nice. you you see them uh, in in Cologne, and they're the, like the typical Kolsch barrels. And the Cooper we bought them from is the last Cooper who's still going, providing barrels to Oktoberfest, and um, they they were the perfect thing to serve the beer from. So we had it up on the bar, uh, and we we worked with the Globe Theatre Trust here to raise money uh, for them, and we did. Um, a live improv Shakespeare performance in the in the garden, and um, you know the the brewery and beer was incorporated into into the story. And um, we've got a video up on YouTube you can check out of it. But basically, again, um, it's a it's a very fun beer. It's a it's a fun way of serving it. It was this rowdy live improv Shakespeare performance, which was great fun. Um, and you know just get to work with a group of people we might not normally deal with. And mm. um, the local Circa Theatre Company this year uh, put on a play called Equivocation, which is a mashing of um, Shakespeare and Guy Fawkes together. Right. Um, and, um, and they asked us if we'd bring back Burning Glow, the beer, and so we brewed it again and, and did a bottle release for it. Mm, nice. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> interesting drinking it. There is that um, I wouldn't have picked it as a smoked beer straight away. And then sort of probably about a third of the way down the glass, I kind of get that, that beach fire um, right in the back of your palate. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's oak-smoked malts in there, and they're, they're quite subtle yeah. as well. It's, um, no, it's a really good one. And it's you know an English-style beer. It's probably not what people associate with you guys. Um, well, I mean, it seem crazy <coughs> enough. Well, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, Pete, um, Pete learned to... Moving on from his, his home brewing um, origins, he, he worked and trained and um, learned to brew in England. Mm. So he was at Breakspears um, and then Hepworth & Co. And so, you know, he, he's he's brewed a lot of English-style beers and mm. it's very comfortable um, brewing those beers. And, you know, it, it's fun doing beers that you can sit down and have several pints of. And, and um, I guess for our local bars and our cellar door, we... We do have some beers that are not really out there, or they're not trying to be anything other than mm. a, just a nice, refreshing beer. And that comes back to um, when we spoke about it 
briefly the other day when we were chatting about the the beer, um, which is so hard to say because it's it's beer. Um, <laughs> that's the name of the beer. <laughs> um, also, apparently, um, people were trying to check it into Untapped, and they had a nightmare trying to find <laughs> beer. Um, first world problems, probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about that. That was a. Uh, I mean, I think I've got a can of it just here. Test little cans we got. So, we're, obviously, uh, listeners can't see this. This is a straight white four pack, and the white can just says beer. Yeah. Um, it's simple and straightforward. Well, I mean, the idea behind beer, we as a brewery do play around with a lot of adjuncts, a lot of specialty ingredients, and we love doing that. Um, we also. I think um, towards the end of last year, I became aware that some of the larger, larger breweries, um, you know, the um, the multinationals, starting to take pot shots at us independent breweries, smaller breweries, just saying that oh, you guys are just putting weird crap in beer. That's mm. that's what craft is. Um, I've seen a couple of sort of snide marketing campaigns like yeah, you know, craft beer. It's okay if you want to drink half a beer, or you know, it really just like exactly. And so. Um, we thought, well, you know, stuff you will will do what you claim to do, but we'll just do it better, or do it properly, you know. So, beer is a a very simple pale lager brewed with Czech sars hops. That's it. Um, it's so simple, it's stupid, but we we lager it properly. We don't filter it. We don't pasteurize it. I mean, we don't filter or pasteurize any of our beers. But, you know, we, we treat it with the respect and care that we would for Death From Above or Red Rocks Reserve or Katrina or any of our other beers. Um, and it's simple and it's delicious, mm. you know. And at the end of the day, uh, when we released it just in keg only in, in summer last year, um it, it was just a huge hit. It was a hit at the brewery. Local cafes and bars loved it. Um, at the end of the day, we would take home riggers of beer and mm. just enjoy sitting down because sometimes you do want just a really simple beer. Mm. Um, and that, that was the idea behind it. We did think about calling it lager, but that was a bit too specific. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, what most people think of when they think of beer is lager. So Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I think um, – I think it's something you're going to see increasingly more of. Mm. Um, and um, I think it's a good thing. You know, I mm. think, um, you know, there's, there's styles of beer that people will probably have just stopped drinking outright because, you know, the, the beers on offer aren't good. Mm. Um, but they are very, very, very enjoyable styles if they're done properly. That's um, another thing I think I've got a few sort of repeated uh, topics that I like to bang on about, and and one of them is the sort of the uh, hobby lager, um, and I think lager is a great style, and and it's that you know as you said, people don't go back to it because all the versions are, are pretty bad that you can get, but um, you know you guys have just done a straightforward one that I've, I've had a couple of times, and I yeah it's it's delicious, and it's it doesn't need to be crazy or hoppy to to be good, um, mm-hmm. and I think yeah you're right, people are going to start realizing that again and. I think I mean if you if you think of it as a in a, in a restaurant or food analogy as well, um, you know it it it's sometimes the simple classic dishes that are the ones that can be the most memorable in some ways as well, and things that are just done with respect and care 
that are simple, um, you know, can be beautiful. And, mm. and that's kind of what we're trying to do with beer. That's why it's totally stripped back. We're not trying to be hipster or cool. Um, do you get that word thrown at you a lot, hipster brewers or anything? Uh, we don't. Oh, um, but, um, you know, I think um, if we tried to dress this up any more, it would just uh, it wouldn't be true to what the actual thing is. So. Uh, you try to dress up any more than just a plain white with black. That's as dressed down as you can get. Um, yeah, uh, and it's one um, we, I think I mentioned the other day, we were, we're going to try and do an, a blind tasting with um, yeah. you know, the, the Australian equivalent, so the Crown um, Lager. And uh, yeah, I'd be curious to see if how it holds up in a blind tasting because yeah. you know, there is that brand perception where um, you know, I really like your beers, so I'm going to favour your lager over the Crown Ale because mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of their beers. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how that turns out. I would, I would suggest you make it a, a true blind tasting because we, as I say, we don't filter our beers. We find them, they drop bright. Ah, uh, so. But I would imagine blindfold us. And- I would imagine that um, you know a, a heavily filtered beer is still going to be you know, like crystal clear glass, whereas mm. this will drop bright, but it's mm. never going to be something you can see entirely the way through. We've got our, our producer here who's helped us out in blind tastings in the past, um, so you're going to have to blindfold us. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be difficult. Um, the one thing that's come up a couple of times this weekend when people have been talking about your beers, um, or, or I guess your brand, uh, is that there's almost a bit of scepticism. Uh, you know, you guys have a strong branding and typically people associate that with, with gimmickry um, and, you know, not so much substance behind it. Um, and uh, it's interesting chatting to people who are beer lovers and they sort of say, oh, I haven't really tried any of the beers because I think they're just a bit gimmicky. Do you, do you find that a lot? Is that a, kind of a risk that you guys are running with, with going so heavy on on big marketing or not marketing is but branding no i mean i think uh, i mean our attitude is that we we put a huge amount of work into the beers and we want to present them in a way that reflects that and so that that means putting a huge amount of effort into the way that the, the labels and the art and um but you know again i guess going back to some of the conversation points earlier it it's fun working with lots of different artists mm. and um it's it's really exciting when when we have a beer idea that um, that we're really into, and then seeing it um, come together as a as a as a piece of art on top of that, mm. um, that's really cool. And I think um, you know it lets us again work with with different people. Um, we get to you know bounce ideas around. It's frustrating as hell when we've got art that's not working or it's not coming together the way we we want but you know i mean pete and i are totally driving those ideas we're getting um the artists will choose from about 10 plus artists we've worked with now who we think will work well on a particular piece Mm. uh we'll always come with a brief or some idea that core idea we've got or at least be heavily involved in chatting through what we might want uh, right, right the way through to the, I guess the feedback as it's coming together, and then every single piece of text on the can, Pete writes as well, mm. so or on the bottle. Um, so you know, I, I haven't come across 
people, I guess they probably wouldn't say it to me outright <laughs> that, you know, I, I was going to, I didn't want to try your beer because it looked like, you know, you guys are just all shell and no substance. But, but at least it's not a, a it's come up maybe two or three times this week and I thought it was the first time I'd heard it and it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, it's not something I've, I've come across, but, and, you know, we always have to have something, um, you know, the, the absolute starting point for us is that what's in the bottle or the glass or the can is world-class, is, mm. is fantastic. And we won't put things out if we're not happy. Um, and then if we can layer in really interesting art and, and the presentation on top, you know, that, that, that's great for us because we feel really proud and excited when we put mm. something out. And, you know, we have things like, you know, I mean, this isn't even that flashy, but like this guy, I'm looking forward to just showing and unveiling this. Uh, and, can, uh, what, what is it? You've just held up a, a sample can, is it? Well, I mean, sample can is a, is a, is a very flattering description. <laughs> what is a printed piece of A4 wrapped <laughs> around a blank can and, and stuck in with a uh, piece of sellotape? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, this is, a, this is a new beer that we will be canning next week. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beer that we... For this one, we didn't have to do anything on the label. We could have been really, really straight up, but mm. we we wanted to to get um, one of our designers involved. We wanted to to do something that we'd be proud of, and I think would stand out and get people's attention. And um, you know, this particular one is is a beer, as you can see, called Hop Trial Number One. For the last uh, for the last year, we've been working quite closely with New Zealand Hops and Plant and Food, mm. supporting the the breeding program and the the trial hops that they are they're working on um, down in Mochuaca at the research station. And um, we're at the point now where we're going to actually try release a beer that's been brewed exclusively with one advanced selection. Mm. Um, so they can start to see what it might be like at a commercial scale, yeah. um, as opposed to the small, very small batches that we do for them, which never see the light of day. Um, you know, it's it's a single hop. We can't even say what the hop is. It's got a number. We can't say the number. We, we can't. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> all sorts of things. Um, we basically came up with just saying that it's classified on this. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've we've put some thought into this. Um, in that, the the base plates. Um, for this this can can change without um, too much work so we can have multiple colors we can have multiple beers in the series as there's multiple trial selections are we able to chuck a photo up on the uh, show notes so people can get an idea of the yeah. can yeah or? absolutely cool we'll take and, a photo before we go and um, you know the um, I, I just think it's um, showing respect to the drinker, showing respect to the people we're working with on this, um, to our beer, um, to, to, to think about um, and sweat, sweat the details. Mm. And, um, you know, I think if you look at great products around the, around the world and the things that you might, objects or things that you love day to day, they, a lot of care and attention and detail goes into them and you can't just stop at the at the actual thing, uh, maybe food analogy again would be a, a restaurant, you know, working with the best ingredients, making a delicious piece of food and then just slapping it down on mm. a plate. You know, they don't, they would never do that. Because uh, someone asked me last night about um, Attica, the restaurant in Melbourne, which is, you know, top yeah. 50. Um, and yeah, I was sort of explaining our experience there and, and being the, you know, the head chef, he's a pretty much a celebrity chef these days. Yeah. He comes out, he 
you know, brought out one of the dishes and introduced himself sort of to every customer. And then at one point in the evening, they said, do you want to see the kitchen garden? And they took us out there and he made us a little cocktail and we toasted a marshmallow on a fire and went around the garden. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of that, um, as you say, it's it's taking that next step to make present it the way you want to do it and make it unique, I guess, and personable. Um, so, and I... And the the sort of criticism that I'd, I'd heard was definitely not one of mine, because um, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm I think a big fan of the branding that, mm. that you guys do. I mean, we'll never be able to. Um, I'm sure some people will, will always um, look at that um, from the outside and maybe think, oh, there's there's nothing to it. But um, you know, when people have one of our beers, we do see that um, you know they, and ideally they they do have a unique experience, want to come back and and try more and try something new. Um, but you know, maybe the, a, a good way of a, a example I would I would put on it is if the the beer that sort of stood out at Beervana last year that got a lot of attention was that was the hot poker mm. hot poker porter, um, and that was the one you had a hot poker specially made where you yep. flash caramelized the beer yep. is that right? Yep. Yep. So you know we um, we worked for weeks trying to work out how to actually fabricate that. Um, get it into beer, make it be safe, make it be hot, red hot, consistent. Um, you know, and, and we, um, we had it custom fabricated, got the first one into the brewery, promptly blew it up, um, had the second piece, you know, shipped up, uh, pulled together the night before Beavana and it literally got delivered to the brewery the morning of. It was very close to not actually happening, but, um, you know, with that beer, the starting point was it's it's a tradition. It's actually something that people do do and have done in England for hundreds of years mm. of pulling the poker out of the fire and putting it into their tankards to, yeah, right. to, to mess up and play around with the flavor and, I guess, uh, introduce a bit of excitement to their lives. Um, <laughs> they desperately needed hundreds of years ago. Um, and uh, and then, you know, that's, that's a great starting point of the sort of historical precedent. Um, but then, ultimately, it comes back to the beer that was in the glass, mm. um, and um, you know the the base beer was our Coxwain's Courage. It was um, you know the night before Beervana was won the trophy for best specialty beer at the Beer and Z Awards, and then fast forward to April this year, won silver medal in Wooden Barrel A Strong Beer at the World Beer Cup, mm. and it was the only beer from an Australian and New Zealand craft brewery to win a medal this year. Mm. So and was that the because there's two versions of that, isn't there? There's um, the blended porter, yep. and then there's the double barrel. Is double that right? barrel. Yep. yep. And so it was the blended porter that won the gold medal, the, the silver medal. Sorry? The double barrel. Double barrel won the. Yep. And that's the one we were. Ah, oh, right. We were last year. So we managed to get a bottle of that um, from one of your employees, Phil. He was yep. kind enough to bring us over uh, one. It was a remarkable beer, um, yep. and I, it's on sale now at the the. Wild stocks last. Wild stocks last. So I don't. <laughs> I don't know if uh, too many Australians are going to get to try it. I know a yeah. few have been in and, and yeah. um, grabbed a few bottles yeah. heading over. So if you're a canny beer trader in Australia, you might be able to get your hands on some. Well, we, there was only in the end 79, 750ml bottles uh, and a couple hundred of the 375s. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that's that's um, that's how I see um, – you know, I'm happy that that beer's got fantastic presentation – Exciting collaboration with a friend who's an artist and does great work, um, Greg Broadmoor, who, um, you know, I mean, he, he designed all the weaponry and spaceships um, in District 9, the mothership, the whole oh, thing. Oh, nice. Wow. You know, he's an immense talent, and to be able to work with him on our labels is is a huge privilege. And 
Um, you know, he was the guy who did the original concept development behind Umami Monster and Mecha Hop. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, it, at the end of the day, if it was all, it was all flash and no substance, um, you know, I don't think it would be where we are now. We wouldn't have the support that we have, but when we, when we do have it all come together and then you end up with a beer that's, um, exciting, different, presented in a fun way. And oh, by the way, it won World Beer Cup medal in the mm. third most ended category <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, I, it, it you know, kind of answers that question of, yeah. of, yeah, what people have been saying. Um, and, it is a minority of people. I don't want to give the impression yeah, that everyone's yeah, yeah. walking around, uh, walking around saying it. Um, how did, when you're starting out Garage Project, um, was it always a clear idea to do, do it this way or did it just kind of evolve? The original concept behind 24, uh, so doing the 24 beers in 24 weeks, um, which, um, which was, was Pete's idea, this, this big, big crazy, crazy idea. Um, which, you know, he's, he's got this great saying, which he, uh, was sort of following Hemingway's quote of do sober what you said you'd do drunk. <laughs> they were teach you to keep your mouth shut. And, um, um, and it was a big idea and it was a big challenge. The thing that probably not many people know, um, is that it was originally for quite a while going to be 24 beers, 24 weeks, 24 artists and 24 unique labels. Right. Um, and we were, we were even thinking about hosting it almost in like having like a, a gallery launch or something each week or having the art be like a part of it. And, um, and just logistically when we started to sit down and work out how we're going to brew 24 beers in 24 weeks <laughs> and then the concept of actually having 24 pieces of art, um, it changed radically. And, um, as you can see, I'm actually wearing the original Garage Project t-shirt 24 in it. And um, we we did have a very simple aesthetic at the start. We had the spray, mm. which is this is our original logo, which um, um, Anton Hart, who is the Tuatara designer and the Panhead designer, mm. incidentally, um, has kind of become the beer one of the main <laughs> beer to go to guys. Um, he designed this. Um, as the stencil treatment for us, which we loved during 24 and it worked really well when we started to package our beer and, and actually get to the point where we wanted the labels and the art that we'd wanted from the outset, we had to move to a more, um, paired back logo, one that would actually fit in all sorts of areas. Mm. Um, and that's, that's the logo we have now. And the, and the thinking there is that if you look at all of our, uh, labels, Garage Project is this tiny little thing. We constantly have designers send us back work with a big logo, and we have to tell them to drop it right down and make it. Designers wet drain, make the logo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that uh, uh, on the on the mic there, but uh, Emma, our producer, was also a graphic designer, and yeah, she said that's every designer's wet dream. <laughs> it's um, you know, it, it's and on on some labels we don't even have the logo um, on, and that's it's interesting because. Most, uh, it almost seems like brand suicide is to not associate your 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 brand with what you're doing. Um, you know, for me, and I admittedly don't know heaps about it, but mm. when you see brands, um, and I think in Australia, maybe Matilda Bay might suffer from it, where you don't know their beers or their beers on the shelves mm. if you, unless you look closely and you realise it's, and I think some of their beers probably would sell better if they had that mm. association, whereas mm. you guys are going the opposite it works really well for you 
Yeah, I mean, we we want it to be about the beer, and each beer we want it to have. It's going into package. It, it's it's got a well, even for keg, you know, it's got to have a strong personality. I mean, we'll do ridiculous things. We'll we'll have a custom piece of art done for a single keg, you know, for the tap badge. It's yeah. we have to have something, and it has to it has to look right and. Um, you know, it, it's it, it is about the beer. We want them to have that personality, um, and it's just sort of brought to you by you know garage projects like the brewery. And um, it's not about having big brewery name beer style and sort of um, you know, and, that, and it's perfectly fine. I think that's great. Um, the way other breweries work, it just fits and works really well for us. And um, it. It shouldn't work, but it, it kind of does when you, you have them all lined up and they're all radically different and they're different artists and they're different styles. And, you know, we've got two Calavera Katrina oil paintings hanging on the wall, which, um, you know, were done by hand, scanned, worked up digitally, uh, and then put into the label, uh, right through to ones that have been done um, on a tablet, straight into a digital. So we, we have all different types of art in terms of the, the I guess the technique, um, but when they're all lined up, they sort of do seem to to match and mm. kind of weirdly belong together. <laughs> How did you and Pete get together and, and start Garage Project? Um, uh, well, Pete's known me my whole life um, by virtue of his uh, younger brother Ian being my best friend, and we've never not known each other. So we've been best friends since we were zero, um, babies in the bath together, right. all the way through. Uh, Pete's 10 years older than Ian and myself, so by virtue, um, I've always been around and he's always known me. Um, that's that's really how we um, have known each other. And, and when the when the brewery came about, it, it felt it felt very natural. It's, like, it's almost like a, um, a family thing in some ways, you know, mm. brother from another mother. <laughs> What's the what have you learned in this last couple of years of Garage Project? Oh, the, the biggest lesson, we'll say. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that. Um, gosh, um, I I think I mean probably the biggest thing. We're and we're still we're still um, we're still learning, still still grappling with as as you know the the ideas we have is is just to just to back those ideas and, and to go with them. And, um, and you know, they might seem a bit crazy or a bit weird or a bit different, but um, just, to, just to run with them. And, um, you know, we do go down a different path with the way we go about things. And um, we do sort of put our neck out there. And, and I think um, just um, the, more, the more we can do that, I think, the, the better. And to just really sort of back ourselves to... Um, to do it in, in the way that we want to and not follow the traditional path. Um, you know, we had a very unique experience to go pour our beer up at the Firestone Walk Invitational mm. uh, early this year. It's the first time we had our beer on in, um, in, a, in America on tap. We went up for it and, you know, it was a really exciting thing to see that, um, you know, we had kegs of Sova Nouveau and Umami Monster and Pernicious Weed and they were very, very different beers to the ones that were pouring from uh, breweries that we've we've looked up to and and loved. Um, Is that exciting to be looking around like they're now your peers and and your 
competing yeah. or not competing, but side by side with him. Yeah, and I think that was that was hugely inspirational, and it was also, um, I guess, a realization that we um, we should just just keep going, keep pushing forward, and um, and backing ourselves to try um, try those different things because they. They are different, and it's interesting being a brewery down in, in Wellington in New Zealand. Um, we are isolated in some ways, uh, and I'd say Australia is probably the same from that that heavy, heavy beer scene and culture that's emerging in in America and, and other parts of the world. And I think I think that's great because it means we're doing it in our own way, mm. and um, and that's exciting. Mm. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, I think. Um, you know this this week's been fantastic it's 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 amazing i guess your your comments on camaraderie and um uh i guess the friendly vibe of 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 craft breweries and independent breweries the thing that we've just loved this week is seeing the the sheer number of of people who have come over from australia um brewers beer fans writers and people who have actually made the trip um, and and build that sense of community. I mean, we love coming. I love coming over to Good Beer Week and coming over to Australia to to um, to drink beer and to, and to visit the bars and the breweries. And I think it's fantastic that we've actually got this this exchange happening. And um, that's really cool. I think this week it was just great seeing everyone over in the brewery in the pack hall um, join our beers or down at the stadium or in the vault house last night yep. on the small hours and Goldings and different bars around town. And it's been interesting. It's hard to go into a bar or even a cafe. We went for breakfast yesterday and a good friend of ours was sitting there by himself having breakfast, like from Melbourne. I was like, so many people from Melbourne here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just like being at home. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, I think you're right. There is that camaraderie. And I've always considered I'm from New Zealand originally, so I kind of consider New Zealand beers to be local to me, mm-hmm. even though it's a different country, um, you know, local to Australia, because you know it's only three hours away and, and by plane, and um, there is that really good relationship. And it's, yeah. um, it's a shame that um, the Australian beers didn't make it over here with some shipping issues, um, but hopefully we, you guys can get some of the, the really good ones coming out. Well, it's, it sounds like I think there's been a lot of work going in over the years trying to find a way to get um, good flows of kegs happening and mm. making things easier. And it sounds like that um, some changes are coming up that are going to make that a reality. And I think mm. I think that's really exciting. You know, there's far more New Zealand beer available in Australia than there is Australian beer available quite, in New Zealand. It's quite remarkable that I think maybe Two Birds and maybe some Bridge Road beers or may, and maybe Mountain Goat, I think, is all you get over here. Um, I mean... Um, yeah, and it, it it would be great to have in the same way that, you know, um, starting out it was it was drinking American beers that really opened my my eyes to what what a beer could be. Um, you know, it it gets a bit stale if you're just having your own yeah. country's beers, and the, and the more diversity we can get, the better. And so, I mean, that's that's going to be exciting to see. I think um, a bit more of the the beer flowing back this way, and, and then also hopefully getting. Um, more consistent flow of kegs and fresh beer happening um, on your side as well. Yeah. Well, um, this has been great. Um, thank you for your time. Um, cool. We'll wrap it up here and let you go rest your voice. Yeah, apologies get, get for the croaky voice. <laughs> Don't worry. I think a lot of people are sounding like you are at the moment. I um, have a hot toddy with bastard rye or something. <laughs> suitably, suitably boozy. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you.